Thanks for taking time out of your day to join us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about that wallet of yours. Coming up later this hour, we're going to talk about a complete and total disruption in the auto market. There's a new report from the Mannheim Auto Auction people, which is the most authoritative source in America on used vehicle prices. need to tell you what has happened with the vehicle market because of the hurricanes earlier this year and what decisions you need to know about before you get out into the car market shopping. Clark.com is our main website, and ClarkDeals.com is where you go to save money to get the bargains. And I want to talk about something that came up as a react on our Clark Stinks message board, and it's so true. I did a segment recently where I talked about the college majors or areas of study that had the highest earning power. And overwhelmingly, they were in the STEM area, uh, mostly engineering and computer science majors were the ones where people were making salaries that are quite large, even from the get-go with an undergraduate degree, on average. And the post was about what use is that to somebody who's not into or has aptitude in that area. And ironically enough, that's the same thing I talked about recently with these coding camps or coding academies or whatever they are where you go learn to code that if you're not interested in that and you don't have aptitude in that area, what are you doing? And that was the point on the Clark Sinks post that is so accurate, that I never want you to choose a career field just because it will supposedly pay well. That should never be the criteria. It's no different than when I got frustrated about somebody being pressured by a parent to go to school to study what the parent does. You need to follow your own path, your own thing. There are many people who have a, a course of study in something that is uh, could even be a liberal arts degree. And you'd be amazed how many people have been very successful that have liberal arts degrees. And it could be English or history or psychology or whatever, all those psychology degrees, they're, they're kind of hard to earn a good living with. But anyway, gosh, I just counteracted what I just said all before that. No. Point is, pursue what you love, whatever that is. And I know I have a tendency to think, Dollars and cents, dollars and cents, dollars and cents. But that doesn't always make sense. I have a friend who is in a job that he hates. It's a golden handcuff job. He's got high skills, makes great money doing it, and hates it, hates it. And now lives a lifestyle based on what he's earning and... Who wants to be, I don't care 
if it is a golden prison, who wants to be in that? Always remember, if you find something that you really love that also earns you a fine living, great. But even if you pursue something you love, surprisingly, you might earn a really decent wage eventually because the skills you learned in that could translate who knows where in terms of skills in your life. Barry's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Barry. Hey, Clark. It is indeed a pleasure to talk with you. Well, great to have you here, Barry. And you are looking at doing what so many people do over November and December. You're thinking of buying a? Well, a used phone, because uh, one of my life goals is to be as cheap as Clark. Oh, man. (laughs) There are so many people cheaper than I am. (laughs) Well, we try. I'm, uh, you know, my wife and I are comfortable with uh, used phones being uh, one or two generations behind. She has a 5S, I have a 6S. So uh, for Christmas, I'd like to upgrade her phone in particular, maybe to a, a 6 or a 7 now that the 8 and 10 are out. And just wondering, uh, would like some advice on when you think the best time, trying to time that to get the lowest price. And also, if you have any suggestions on where to get uh, used phones from a reliable source. So I don't have a problem with you buying used phones on eBay. Okay. And so if you're interested in a used iPhone, there are so many sellers, but there are a number that are ultra high volume sellers. And they've got very high seller ratings, and they use the system where they go through the quality of the phone they're selling you and the really reputable sellers on ebay when you're looking for a used iphone are really really clear on the condition of the phone and have there's a pretty standard grading system that you'll see on ebay where they give you the condition of the phone and great when would you suggest January. Oh, really? After Christmas? Yeah, the reason is is that over the next many weeks, a lot of people are going to decide they want to go from a 6 or 7 to the 8's not doing well, but they, you know, by Apple terms, it's not doing well. Or if they get an X, whatever, and their old phone's going to become surplus. And so they really cycle into the market after Christmas is when you'll really start to see the inventory numbers and availability spike. Well, when she doesn't get anything on Christmas morning, I'll tell her it's Clark's fault. It is my fault. It is my <laughs> fault. You can give her a nice picture of a, a used iPhone and let her look at that. And um, I'm looking at eBay right now, and the numbers that are available are gigantic how many are for sale uh, one other thing that i would consider is whichever cell phone carrier you use a lot of the cell phone carriers are taking the uh, phones in trade from their customers giving them like two three hundred dollars in credit taking them as trade you may find one also available especially if you wait till january at a decent deal from your own cell phone provider. Okay. Well, thank you. Sure. And uh, 
Tell her that Merry Christmas this year is in January. <laughs> Will do. Okay. Lisa's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Lisa. Hello. How you doing? I'm well. I have a question for you about uh, retirement. Okay. Um, my husband and I own a pet grooming shop, and it's structured as an S corporation. And we're looking at some, we always hear you talking about Roth IRAs and how wonderful they are with all the after-tax benefits. But often when you talk with someone who's self-employed, you talk about a SEP instead. Is a Roth an option for us, or would we have to look into a SEP? Both are options. You can do either. The advantage of the SEP is that if you have a really good year in your business, and it's going to push you into a, a... ugly tax bracket, you're able to reduce that with the enormous flexibility that you have with the SEP where you can contribute from nothing in a year up to, is it 54000 now? Maybe the limit on a SEP? I mean, it's huge money you can pile into it. Where and So you get a direct reduction in the income you'll have to report for that tax year. Where I also the Roth has the ability yeah 54 Roth has the ability for you to put money in from zero up to a cap of 5500 so they're completely different scale and the flexibility of how much money you're going to put aside in a year sure how much do you think you want to save in a year I think we would be looking at about $500 a month at this point. Six grand. All right. So, hey, did you just really pick on yourself? You're saving money. (laughs) Be proud of yourself. (laughs) You know, nearly half of Americans don't save anything. So if if $500 a month is what you're thinking of doing somewhere in that territory, do you have a sense how much income your business is going to produce in a year? Um, I, yeah, I think we're going to be at about 100000 for the year. Okay, at a hundred, you're kind of on the bubble between doing a SEP and doing a Roth, and there's no reason you couldn't do both. You know, split oh, the money. Okay. I and see. Have a little bit of deduction from income on your taxes, and then have money in a Roth. I've become more and more a believer in the value, the advantage of having two piles of money, a pre-tax pile and an after-tax pile, and having your own business makes it even easier for you to do exactly that. Sure. And when you do your SEP, every company out there does SEPs. So you can go anywhere to the ultra-low-cost companies like I have on Clark.com to really, really expensive ones. And guess where I would want you to go? I'm guessing probably the less expensive side of things. That is right! (laughs) And in the SEP, how far away, or Roth, how far away are you from your intended retirement time? Um, I'm 41 and my husband's 48. So you got a good long time between now and when you're going to spend the money. You could keep it simple in both, and whoever you choose and wherever you, uh, wherever you allocate the money, 
just do target retirement funds based on when you each would expect that you're going to bag work. Okay. And, you know, with those, you just pick the year closest to when you might think you want to retire. And then the investment house, as you get closer to retirement, changes the mix of investing from where you're very heavily an investor in other companies now, but then closer to retirement, the portfolios become more conservative. Sure. So I love that as a strategy. And Joel, do we have time for one ask Clark here? Maybe? Yeah, sure, Clark. Let's do it. Uh, Justin wrote in and he said, I keep hearing you mention brokerages as a replacement for banks, but I haven't heard an explanation of how that works. Can you fill me in? Sure. So the full commission brokerage houses and the discount brokers all offer the equivalent of what we think of as checking accounts and banking services that you get at a traditional bank or credit union. But the accounts, that's not where they're really trying to make their money. So the accounts are almost always free with no gotchas, no fees. My two favorites of those accounts are the ones at Fidelity and Charles Schwab. The reason is Fidelity and Charles Schwab only offer lower-cost investing choices, Schwab even cheaper than Fidelity typically, where with the other brokerage houses, generally they are what I call full commission stock brokerage houses. So even though you're getting your banking services for free from them, they make it up by charging massive fees on everything you do with them. So I really like for people who have investments, have meaningful amounts of money in, for investments, that you do your banking with a brokerage, not with a bank. Gary's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Gary, you have a worry about the banking system you want to run by me, and it's one that worries me, too. Hit me with it. Okay. Hey, Clark, thanks for taking my call. Certainly. Um, Yeah, I've heard you talk a lot about being careful about using automatic and electronic drafts on your checking account. And, you know, it sure is convenient. All I have to do is enter my routing number and checking account number, but it makes me wonder if it's too convenient because every time someone writes a check, they advertise their routing number and account number. Right. So, that's why. That's precisely why I've not carried a checkbook in decades, and I don't okay. write checks. I mean, I use electronic bill pay, and sometimes I'm in danger because they, if the vendor I'm paying isn't set up to receive payments electronically, they're receiving a paper check mailed by the bill pay service. Right. And all the information is on that check that would allow someone, if they're not on the up and up, to just submit a draft to your bank and run off with the money. Yeah. So isn't there any kind of way I could tell my bank, look, unless unless I come in and verify myself either by logging into my account and setting something up, like okaying, you know, uh, some kind of draft, don't do it. There should be some kind of, like, two-pass phase thing, you know, like they do on There's nothing like that for drafts. It's crazy Mm because banks operate their draft systems, their ACH, on a complete system of trust. And so criminals exploit that. But the, the good thing for you is that even if a criminal absconds with money through an improper 
or illegal draft of your account, the bank is on the hook, not you. Okay. Now, well, the, the yeah. bigger danger, 90% of money is not in banks. It's with brokerages and mutual mm-hmm. fund companies. Right. And that's where the bigger danger is, and that comes with wire requests that people submit online. Somebody hacks into your account, and they submit a wire request. Yes. That's right. why I, I don't like for people to have electronic wires set up. I like for people to have to do that the old-fashioned way, talking to a human, filling out real paperwork as a protection against the risks that are there. But yeah, the drafting thing with banks is extremely vulnerable. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you being empowered with knowledge so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main website, clark.com slash ask. It's where you go to ask me a question. You want to talk with a member of our team, though? That's free. We do that 40-plus hours a week. You can see hours each weekday. And the phone number, as you scroll down on Clark.com, you'll see the info for the free off-the-air advice. So every year at this time, pretty much, except for this year, I would tell you what a deal it is to buy a last model year vehicles. In this case, it would be a 2017. And what a deal used cars would be. And that's most years. Can't say that right now. New data in from the Mannheim Auto Auction people shows a massive spike in the value of used cars in the United States, over 8% higher than the same month a year ago. That is a massive price movement. And the reason for that is because of the hurricanes that have disrupted the vehicle market all over the country. Because suddenly, uh, nobody knows the exact number, but somewhere half a million to a million vehicles destroyed by the hurricanes. And even though very heavily the vehicles destroyed were in just uh, parts of three states, Florida, Texas, and Louisiana, our overall auto market is a national market. And all that demand that was created from the damaged vehicles flooded out in the hurricanes is now impacting the overall supply and what happens with supply and demand in a true free market. The prices adjust based on where supply and demand meet. And that's led to this temporary spike. So a couple of things here. First, if you have a car hanging around at your house and it's not really serving much of a purpose, but for whatever reason, you haven't gotten around to getting rid of it, this is the time to get rid of it, even if you're not buying something else. Because a lot of car dealers love to have inventory on their used car lot, and you will get a much better offer on your used vehicle now than historically you would. So 
that would be a great reason to get rid of that used vehicle you don't really need. On the issue of buying a used vehicle right now, well, obviously there's a lot of pain with that because of the problem I just told you with the supply issues. But there's kind of a mixed message on new inventory because if you're trading in a vehicle and that's yours and you're getting a new one to put in your garage, the used vehicle market is in the condition where your trade-in will be worth more in the marketplace than it would have historically. And new vehicles may have been pushed up in price too, but remember, 80% of the market is used. So normally I would be telling you about all the deals available. Right now, not so much. Michelle is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Michelle. Hi. Michelle, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Your son has decided he wants to be a speculator. Uh, I guess you could say that. <laughs> he wants to um, invest in the Bitcoin. Well, and I use the word that I like to use for Bitcoin. I don't consider it to be an an investment at all i consider it to be a speculative thing and he's got to be of a mind that any money he would put in bitcoin is money that he's willing to just kiss goodbye he could make money in it but bitcoin has had such a strange movement up and down in fact over the last few days bitcoin has made massive changes in direction up and down yes more down than up and bitcoin just a couple of years ago was worth almost nothing and today a bitcoin is worth many many thousands of dollars okay so this is uh, bitcoin started oh it's about eight years ago i guess seven eight nine Mm -hmm. years ago right in that time period and just kind of hung out for a long time. And then in the last year has gone kaflui. Kaflui is my new economics term. <laughs> so, okay, but what's this Ethereum? Because he told us a little bit about the Bitcoins, like what you just said. And then he said that he wanted to buy into the Ethereum. He's Ether- Ethereum or yeah, something? Yeah, Ethereum. Yeah, it's another one of the virtual currencies. Yes. And it's one that there's been real buzz about over the last probably three months. Okay. And so this is this has created this craze of at this point dozens of these made up monies. Okay. Made up monies, whatever. So yes. the original purpose of having um a substitute for money like Bitcoin Mm-hmm. was people that were worried that we were going to end up needing wheelbarrows to go buy a loaf of bread like the Germans did in the 1930s. Okay. And people became fearful that with all the money that governments were pumping into the economy after the banking scandals last decade, right. that money would become worthless like that. And so that was what really inspired the idea of having a non-government money where the supply of the money would be tightly controlled. 
But what happened, what happened instead was that somehow it became the thing for people to speculate in. Okay. And so it's not anything like what its original purpose or goal was. Okay. So any money he would put in uh, any of these, uh, they're not fake. Well, they're fake money. They're not government money. Alternative, anything like that, it's got to be money that if he loses it all, it won't make any difference in his life. Okay. How much money can your son afford to throw into something like that? Well, he wanted to do 2000 but we only allowed him to do 200 He had started his own business last year and made some money off of it. Very smart kid, but um, a kid who also is, you know, I guess, of new, new information, too. And the research I found was that it was a pyramid scam. Well, no, yeah. okay. So... These are, to call them pyramid scams, I, I can't say that. This right. is just a whole new area people are trying to figure out. Okay. And there will be some of these cryptocurrencies that will end up being just Ponzi's, that will end up being pyramid scams. Right. But all that matters is that the trading in these makes no sense. And so it is a very, very high-risk and at the right exact moment, getting in and getting out, high reward. But anytime you get into something that's a bubble, eventually the bubble bursts and a lot of people get hurt. And that's why if you've limited them to $200, Michelle, $200 is a good life lesson if it does go to nothing. Haley's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Haley. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm about to get ready for class. <laughs> oh, where do you go to school? I go to a little tribal college in Montana, uh, Chief Dolnice. Really? How much skiing mm-hmm. do you do? <laughs> I'm an awful skier. <laughs> oh. I, I keep wanting to go to uh, Big Sky and ski there. I've been there in the summer, but I want to go there during ski season and hit the slopes there. It's pretty nice. Well, how can I be of service to you, Haley? Um, uh, I was just wondering, uh, I'm 19, I'm a college student, uh, and I was wondering how I could start saving for like retirement, because I don't want to be one of those people that says, I'll start tomorrow, I'll start tomorrow, I'll start tomorrow, you know? How much are you working while you're in school? Um, I actually have a job as a, a NASA intern, part of the STEM internship. And I have a job as a tutor at the college, actually. So you're uh, so earning, that's, as long as you're earning income, you're able to open a Roth IRA. All right. And I'd love for you to do that. And okay. start putting money in. How much can you afford to save, let's say, this um, school year? Uh, well... Okay, so with the STEM internship and my tutoring, I'm also a commuter. I drive about 50 minutes to get to class, uh, so I can save almost all of my income uh, because I'm actually living with a family member rent-free. So I can save everything except for gas money. (laughs) Wonderful. Uh, And that's 
a couple thousand dollars, I guess. <laughs> That's fantastic, because what I was trying to get around to is that you can open one of the Roth IRAs with one of the companies that I love for typically a $1,000 minimum. Yeah. So, um, another question that I had uh, was how to build credit store, credit score, because uh, right now I have little to none. <laughs> okay. Do you have any credit card at all? Uh, I recently just got one, but it was really hard because I don't have credit at all. Um, and I'm trying to limit how much I spend to a certain amount so that I can pay it off easily. That's perfect. And is it a Visa, MasterCard, Discover, or American Express? In other words, is it a major card? Yes, All it's right. a Discover card. All you need to do with that Discover card, just use it right, you know, charge little bits to it, pay that balance in full every month, pay it always on time. You're going to get the credit score you want, and then over the next year, you'll probably be at a point where you can get one more card, and two credit cards are what you need. That'll really get you to where you can build a really solid credit score. Yeah, and see, and that's kind of what I need, because I can't, uh, next semester I graduate from this college, and it's just a two-year college, uh, and I'm moving on to my four-year, so I have to get an apartment, which is going to be kind of hard without a credit score yeah have you used the discover program where you can monitor your credit score um not yet i just got this uh, all right well do that with discover also the other thing i'd like you to do set up a credit karma dashboard creditkarma.com or creditsesame.com either of those or both of them you'll be able to monitor your credit and they'll guide you how to improve it over time too Good for you and all the savings you're doing. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Marcy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Marcy. Hi, Clark. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. Marcy, you have a big saver there? I do. I have a 14-year-old money hoarder. Uh, She's got about $2,000 saved up uh, in her bank account. And Uh, How much would you charge me to have her come over and teach my teenagers how to do that? Well, we're still trying to get her to teach my other two teenagers. You know, that's the crazy thing is that you can have all these kids that come up in your household and every one of them will have different attitudes about money. Absolutely. Night and day. So your 14-year-old is going to be cursed with two siblings that are always looking for money or advice all through their lives. Oh, she's ready for that. They already do. Okay. (laughs) 
But we have been trying for about a year to get her to start investing some of that money. Uh, but she's been terrified of possibly losing it. Uh, and so finally, we've got her convinced to invest half of it. Um, and she's willing to do an additional $25 a month, and then we'll match her $25 a month. And I just don't know where to put her. Well, first of all, I appreciate her caution because the stock market is has been through a lot and is fully valued. And so some people would say overvalued. So if she popped a lot of money in all at once and is nervous about losing money, she could in the short time term lose money. So the question I would have for you and then in turn for her is when is she going to spend any of this money that she's been hoarding? I don't think she'll ever spend it, truthfully. she Even when we go to the store and she looks at something that's $30 and she'll say, man, I'd have to work three hours to pay for this. I don't want it. Are you sure this isn't my child? It sounds like me. Okay. So so she really is somebody who both is really careful in not spending money that comes into her hands and then at the same time doesn't want any of the money to evaporate. Well, the biggest risk to her when it's money that she wants to put aside is if she's too conservative with it that inflation will eat up what she's worked so hard to save. So at such a young age with so much time in front of her, I really like for her to invest the money. And how does she earn her money? Is it from work? Uh, most of it is from our family business. I'd say about 500 a year. We, don't, we try to keep her under the 1099 threshold. Because um, the advantage to her is that if she actually reports and does a tax return then she would be eligible to pop this money into a Roth that would grow tax-free and be spent tax-free. Imagine this, 50 years from now, how much it could grow to. Right. That was what I was wondering about. I wasn't even sure if you could do a Roth for a... As long as she's doing bona fide work and is Mm -hmm. being paid for that bona fide work, even in a family business, she can put money into a Roth. Just as you have to document that she's truly earned that money. And that would be through a tax return? Yes. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, she sounds like she's going to be doing tax returns her whole life, like she's an industrious sort. She she is an industrious sort. But now that won't affect us claiming her, like, as a dependent or anything, Will not, because you'll be supplying more than 50% of her support. Okay. There's no issue, no problem with that. And then she could do something very simple. She could open a Roth IRA, put it in like a target retirement fund. We have some target funds in our IRAs. So, yeah, I am familiar with those. That would be a good one for her. So I would love that. And I'm very excited that she has these kind of habits, is so careful with her money, because it truly, from a financial side of life, will make things easier for her her whole life. She needs to inspire her siblings. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for tuning in to The Clark Howard Show today. And if you're like me, you like deals, we got our deal diggers hard at work at ClarkDeals.com that help you save money day in and day out. We work around the clock 
to find the best deals for your wallet, and there are a variety of consumer items, check out ClarkDeals.com. 